Welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. I'm your host, Paul Gillette, as always. Uh, Chris Palomares is with us today, and uh, Mr. Lincoln is somewhere between Philadelphia and Boston. Uh, so he may join us when his cell reception in the car gets a little better. So interestingly enough, Chris and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago and had to do with speakers. Speakers, Nature Locomotive, and Chris mentions a uh, company called uh, Scale Sound Systems. And he sends me the link, and I go look at uh, the site, look at the uh, YouTube channel, and ended up in a conversation with the man behind Scale Sound Systems, J.T. Burke. And J.T. Burke is with us today. J.T., welcome. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, you know, happy to be here, and uh, you know, I uh, I've got to thank Chris extensively for, uh, you know, the spreading the word. He's uh, he's put uh, my products in the ear of a of a lot of people, and uh, you know, it means a lot to me that he likes what I'm doing and that he's, uh, uh, you know, spread the gospel, so to say. Okay, very good. Uh, so as a result of a little back and forth uh, email wise between JT and I. I have uh, sampled several of his speakers, installed them. We've actually done some uh, chit chatting about designs, uh, some applications and stuff. Uh, I posted some uh, short YouTube video links on the. Uh, Model Railroad Hobbyist discussion forums under DCC the other day got a lot of reaction. So anyway, JT, so you, and you can clarify this, I'm going to say sound engineer, but what is the real official accurate description of what you do? Well, um, that is um, a technical title. Um, the, the federal government recognizes my profession profession as an audio engineer um and um it, that can run a scope of you know multiple things my emphasis in audio engineering has uh for about 25 years now has been in record production making uh records for bands and artists in the recording studio okay and then the live sound uh concerts so all the big speakers you see flying up in the air and that kind of thing when you go to a concert and, uh, you know, and then mixing the sound. So that's, that's what I do as an audio engineer. Okay. So that, that's amazing. That is, that blows my mind. Now, when you're engineering an album, let's say for a group or a, a singer, are you in the studio when they're recording? Uh, it's just, how does that happen? It happens both ways. Um, some of the records that I do, I, I record, I produce, record, and mix entirely uh, at my own studio. And then sometimes the record will be recorded elsewhere, um, Atlanta or LA or Vegas or something like that. And then they send me the multi-track masters and I do, and I just do the mixing in the studio then. So it, okay. it, uh, I do it both ways. Yeah. Okay. 
can you mention some of the people you've done this work for? <laughs> I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Um, on the recording end of things, uh, I did. Uh, I've done everything from metal to jazz. I had um, Stan Sargent. I did a smooth jazz record for him a few years ago that was in the top ten smooth wow. jazz charts. Um, I've done, you know, going back years, I had um, a hip hop record on the billboard charts, uh, an artist named John Rubin. Um, and uh, I just finished a record for a girl out in LA, uh, who's Linda Arcaro. She's a singer songwriter, really good. And it's going to be a really great record. It actually releases later this month. Oh, very familiar with the name. Yes. And live sound. Um, you know, I've worked with all kinds of people. I was the audio engineer for the Mythbusters theatrical tour. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, Jamie and Adam. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, so I was their audio engineer for the theatrical uh, shows they did uh, for the first two years, anyway. And um, other bands I've toured with, uh, I don't, you know, anyone from John Mellencamp or uh, uh, Beck. Um, Biggie Pop and the Josh Homme tour. Uh, I was with Barry Manilow for a, you know a few years. Uh, on the all just all kinds of people. Okay, so the obvious question becomes: since he's such a big model railroader, ever had any opportunity to work with Rod Stewart? <laughs> no, I, uh, I have not crossed paths with with Rod um, ever in my career. Okay, and. Uh, you know, so. <laughs> okay, if Maybe you have the opportunity, jump on it and drop our name. We would love to have him on the show as a guest. Oh. <laughs> okay, so uh, how did all of this evolve into sound systems? I'm going to use the word systems because to me that's what you're doing evolve into model railroad speakers okay well um you know when sound first hit the market and, and model trains um scale ho scale model trains, sound has obviously been a thing you know with lionel for a long time but Correct. um and the bigger the bigger sizes uh but uh when ho sound really came out with you know qsi and and some of the early people, um, I didn't really, I didn't like it at all. Actually, it was they were just little noise machines, and yes, so I, agree. I kind of, I, I kind of ignored sound for its uh, infancy, you know. And then um, a few years ago, with tsunami and woke sound, um, I realized, wow, they've really, I mean, these sound files are accurate and uh, they sound really good. So I started getting into doing some sound installs in my own locomotives. I actually started out in N-Scale, doing sound installs in N-Scale before I even went to HO. Okay. And, uh, and uh, as I'm doing this, um, you know, other people are wanting me to do sound installs and for them. And, and I realized, you know, these speakers at the factory, even when it's got, you know, a great a Tsunami or a low sound decoder, something that's a fantastic decoder from the factory, the speaker just, you know, they're thin and piercing, 
um, you know, you, you hit the bell and it just rips your face off. And I thought, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought there's gotta be a better, a better solution here. So about three years ago, I, uh, I, I went, uh, you know, I got on all the suppliers and, and bought basically every style of speaker that would fit within a hood locomotive of a, of an HO engine. Okay. And, um, every type of speaker, the cone speakers, the, the low profile, what, what the model railroad industry has termed sugar cube. Um, yeah. oddly enough, that's a model railroading term. That term is not used in, in the, by the manufacturers or, you know, the industry, but in model really? railroading, I don't really? know who coined it. What are they uh, they're low profile. They're low profile miniature speakers or low profile micro speakers. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm really curious. I'd love to know who coined that term because it's so wildly used. Uh, but uh, so I bought I bought everything that would fit within an HO locomotive, and I just started taking measurements and um, and and then recording sound samples of each one. Um, until I found a particular model that uh, I liked that uh, by a long shot, it was smoking everything else by a long shot. It was also happened to be the most expensive one. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then I thought, well, what are we going to do with enclosures here? And so, you know, a few years ago, my, all of my sound installs, I was building enclosures out of, you know, sheet styrene um, and, you know, maybe, maybe little, thin wood or whatever and just building this stuff by hand and it was rather time consuming and especially when you consider that I wanted to explore further designs with you know internal baffling and chambering and that kind of thing okay it became very time very very labor intensive and um, I was getting more install work from other model railroaders and I thought I'm gonna have to get a 3d printer so <laughs> I uh, I bought that and that that allows me to um, you know not only come up with more interesting designs, but I don't have to, you know, the printer, it might take the printer 10 hours to run, you know, five, five enclosures, but it's not me sitting at the bench doing it. Sure. And uh, so as I went down that road, I started experimenting with different enclosure designs and um, until I was just honing in on something that struck that balance of, you know, good low frequencies and, and a, and a, um, a natural sounding mid range and high frequencies that were, that were, uh, you know, immediate, um, just putting a speaker on a big box doesn't get you very far. Cause then it sounds like a speaker on a big hollow box and, you know, you lose some of the detail. So I just, you know, it was dozens and dozens of drivers that I tested and threw out and hundreds of enclosures that I made and tossed out until I narrowed it down to, you know, something that I was happy with. Is there a, a common design element in your enclosures uh, that has, and this is someone who's not uh, familiar with the technical jargon, but that is a standard feature, and I'm talking about like an internal baffle and so forth, because of it's pretty universal in the way it shapes sound, especially in the way you want it to come out the front of the speaker. Or is each one unique? 
they are rather unique um, as far as placements go. Uh, the size of the enclosure, you know, the smallest, my smallest enclosures don't have any internal baffling or chambering at all because okay. they're, it's already so small in the, in the, and it, so that literally came down to, you know, the driver that I chose and other things play into the, you know, the, the ba- the thickness of the baffle and the thickness of the sidewalls. Um, there, some of my enclosures do have internal bracing. So instead of making the wall just thicker, you brace it instead because that changes, that affects the sound. And so there really isn't, and, and a lot of times, you know, I, I will voice I will voice the, the the enclosure for a specific application. So, the Athern the the enclosure that I make for the uh, Genesis the Athern Genesis uh, Jeep thirty eight forty. I went through those sound files with both Loke Sound and Soundtracks, and tweaked tweaked the internal design um, so that it uh, you know sounded good with both. But then I was able to, I actually kind of um, gave it uh, a a kind of a throatier mid-range. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a certain, there was a certain design in in there that that gave it a little bit of a growl, you know. Okay. That sounded really cool with the 645 engines, you know. Um, So, but not all of them, you know, I I do try to, to kind of voice it for the application that it's intended for, but you can put any prime mover sound into any of my speakers and it's going to sound good okay now yeah the first of your speakers that you know i i purchased and then i installed even before i tweaked the sound because they went into a locomotive with a tsunami too in it but just the out of the packaging, hook it up, start up the locomotive on the test track. I was just astounded by the low frequency, be it low mid-range or high bass, that was coming out of this speaker. I just sit there and stared at it while it idled because I couldn't believe I'd never heard that. Even from a, a 28 millimeter supposedly high bass speaker and here's this little uh sugar cube there's that word again pumping this yeah. stuff out i mean you are working magic there <laughs> that was a wow moment for me too i'll just say okay. that I, I i put the i put the my my first installation was I I recall being being like a GP thirty eight dash two, and I also think I got like a SD thirty nine or forty one for the Athern RTR SD forty, and I put that sucker in, and I I was just floored. It was like wow, it, it's not a bunch of just noise or you know how some of these speakers can have like a hiss, yes, in the background right when, when you really listen to it, it just starts becoming so overwhelmingly annoying he's just like okay that's yeah. muted i uh, that was that was fun for you know maybe five minutes but that thing is muted 
this wasn't the case when when I I put that locomotive on. I kind of wanted it to just be idling in the background while I was working. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, one... you say that, but I've I've, I've I've done that. There are certain Alco sound files that I'm like, oh, that just sounds so cool, and I'll just let it sit there while I work on another project because <laughs> you know it's just fun to fun to hear all the gurgling and neatness in it. Uh, yeah. Chris, his F seven hundred two, which is uh-huh. this little T shaped affair, got some decent depth to it. For it's the uh, it's a natural made fit with a basic five sixty seven EMD. Especially now you've got to have a you know a covered wagon body. It's not going to fit in a hood uh, uh-huh. too easily. But I dropped it in, modified the frame, dropped it in these hybrid inner mountain stewards I've got and when I fired up it's just like you said it's there it's gurgling and I'm just because that was my first experience and then once I started tweaking it I was just good grief this is like having a real locomotive <laughs> in my yard and I'm not exaggerating you you really captured the uh that sweet spot of sound and then so i got uh, some good comments when i posted some of the videos that i had done on youtube because i sent them to jt for his uh, evaluation and then i put some on got some good feedback um, now i'm listening when i listen you know firsthand or if I even listen to the the file, the YouTube file, the the MP4 file on my computer, I'm doing it with headphones so that I get yeah. the uh, the high quality. And I'm going, holy mackerel! I've just never had that experience with uh, many speakers. Now, let me also ask because you mentioned this once before, JT, when we were talking. I had, before I knew you existed, had had a conversation with a gentleman, and he suggested close coupling of, I think the number was three, and they were just really 13 by 18 by 13 uh, sugar cubes, and he said, here, wire them series parallel, and he said, then tune them on the... Uh, yeah, on the graphic equalizer, which I did, and it was a couple of years ago. It was it enhanced the upper end bass and reinforced the low end mid range on it. Again, my terms, and it sounded pretty good. But you gave me a warning that it doesn't always work out that way. Now, why is that? Well, I'm gonna try to avoid uh, going too too deep into science here. Um, That's okay. Chris will, Chris will catch up. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, so in every, in every test that I've done, and this, this course, okay, in professional audio, um, you know, close, what you know what we're what we're calling here is close coupled arrays, um, which 
and 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 audio it's actually a, a parallel array okay and if you stack them high enough it you know it's a line array i'm like i'm just gonna avoid all that theory and, and <laughs> physics behind it but um what happens when you take identical drivers and you you place them next to each other is they uh, a phenomenon called mutual coupling occurs and and they they begin to basically act in concert with, with, with each other. The problem is, is that uh, with a full range driver, like we are using in model railroading, you know, a concert sound system, you know, will have four or five, five different frequency, you know, it'll have subs and then lows and mids and highs. It, it's all divided via crossover networks. Each bank of drivers is doing is designed for its own thing. But using a full range driver like we are doing, when you couple multiple speakers together, they do indeed mutually couple, but they're going to do it where the speaker is most efficient. So okay. most most um, technically speaking, they will mutually couple within a half wavelength of any given frequency as close together as they are and but the 13 by 18 drivers are so small that they will they're within a half wavelength of the entire audio frequency spectrum that humans can hear so that's not the issue there what the issue happens is what happens is that these multiple drivers are, are coupling so a 13 by 18 driver most of them have a self resonance you know somewhere around 800 hertz um, maybe down to maybe down to 500 hertz on some of the models, and that is going to add and combine. And so what's happening here is that you're getting more of everything. You're not getting more bass. You're getting more that the way that speaker sounds. You're just going to get more of it. So if it's got a big peak around 1k, and you add two or three or four, that 1k peak just continues to additively get bigger. Okay. Now, <laughs> you actually do start to reduce your deepest low frequency content. Um, it's a it's a directivity. Uh, the 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 pattern and the response is narrowing as you stack these speakers up, and it's honing in on 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 the speaker sweet spot. So, and there are differences. You know, you can put your two or three or four drivers you can isolate them in different chambers or you can have them all firing into the same chamber uh the difference is, is it, it can vary a little bit from size the, you know it, these are all variables that's the thing okay uh so it's kind of hard but but i guess my point is is that this this coupling phenomenon that happens with multiple like drivers um it's there's no way around it it's physics and so you can prove it on paper you can prove it with measurements and then you can prove it with listening now the difference here's the thing is that uh most model railroaders most people <laughs> forget model railroaders most people when something that they like something they hear something that they like when it becomes louder they think that's better <laughs> that's just a, okay. that is that is a that is how the the human 
ear-brain mechanism. That's what our hearing perception is called scientifically, the, the, the ear-brain mechanism. That's how it is conditioned. Now, it's, it goes the other way. If it hears something terrible, the louder it gets, it, you know, we want to shy away from that. But if we're looking for a result, if you've got a modeler sitting down and he's putting, he wants to put better speakers in his engine and he hears one and he's like, okay, that's not too bad. And so he adds a second one and it's louder. Well, that's better. That's what he's thinking. And that's, that is the default natural condition of our minds. That's, you know, we were looking for a result and we heard it. The problem is, is that while there's, while the, the, the close coupled speakers are getting louder, definitely they're getting much louder, especially when you get to four, yeah. they, they can really scream. Um, your, your, your lowest frequencies are gradually attenuating or going down rather. So you will hear an emphasis in the, you know, four to 500 Hertz range for sure. When the speakers couple there so that it sounds warmer, you know, and they interpret yes. that warmth and sound as being more bass, but it's not actually more bass. It's just more lower mids. And, you know, my, my goal, my, 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 basically I'm, I'm always shooting for a hundred Hertz and HO scale. That's kind oh. of my, <laughs> really, but I'm just, when I'm designing, I'm, I need to have, I want 100 hertz within 10 dB of my mid-range. And I generally, most of my designs are within 3 dB of my mid-range. No kidding. And um, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in 500 hertz. 500 hertz is easy. Uh, I want, you know, and actually, in all reality, that when, you, when your mid-range starts building up like that, you start masking all the details. And it's kind of like, Chris mentioned that that hissing sound and a lot of the speakers, um, you know, they uh, they have a terrible transient response and they have a terrible frequency response and they're not coupled to the right closure. And so this mid range buildup just masks all the little details that you hear, you know, the compressors and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. And so what my systems are doing is they're actually, they're actually, uh, uh, attenuating you know that mid-range there it's it, it looks more like a smiley face curve than on a on a stereo system where it's got your lows and your highs and the mid-range is actually dipping down but the the close coupled systems will will do an opposite it will create a hump in the middle and hmm. start to attenuate the highs and the lows so would you call that like scooping the the mid-range if it's like a smiley face? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that's, yeah. And, and that's why, you know, with, um, with the tsunami EQ, you know, uh, you've got so much control there, you know, I just, I, I, I suggest, I would like to eventually get to a point where I, I can develop some EQ preset suggestions for people. Um, I haven't gotten there yet, but, uh, you know, I, I EQ my own to how I like them, but I'd like to start publishing some suggested EQ graphs for Tsunami users that have my, my systems. Um, the Tsunamis, Tsunamis have a fuller mid-range sound than, than Loke Sound does. Mm -hmm. That's, um, you know, Loke Sound already has a little bit of a scoop. If you hear a Loke Sound file, 
recorded direct without a speaker, it has a ton of low frequencies and a lot of high frequencies, and there's not a whole lot of mid-range. Right. And the tsunami is kind of opposite. Uh, with the EQ flat, the tsunami's got a very warm and thick mid-range and not as much highs and lows. Now, I think that soundtracks made the right decision with voicing their sound files that way because with the traditional speakers airing on the, you know, the sin and tenny sound, the warmer mid-range does indeed sound better. Yeah. So, you know, um, but if you've got a speaker that can really open up the frequency response, the, the whole spectrum, low sound really starts to shine big time. And Tsunami then is able to as well because you've got that great EQ. I, you know, honestly, JT, I like using both. And th they each kind of have their own characteristic. And when you're doing like different prime movers and different locomotives, you can kind of get each one to have its own character by using like different Absolutely. manufacturer, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing is people ask me all the time, you know, who's, who's your favorite, who's your favorite. They want recommendations. And I'm just, you know, first of all, I can't really, I'm not in a position to go voicing preferences like that, but secondly, they're both phenomenal products and, and, you know, it might even come down to file type. You know, you might like mm -hmm. the Baldwin sound from soundtracks better than you do from Loke sound. So you put right. soundtracks in your Baldwin, but you like the Loke sound Alco better. You know, it, it could come down to that. Um, it's, you, you can get amazing results with either. Yeah. Well, that brings up a, an interesting point. Uh, in this, those uh, reworked F7s, the uh, hybrid Stewart Intermountains, they have soundtracks BW1000 uh, soundboards in them. And there's not a lot of audio power, not like that Tsunami 2. And the speakers I had in there uh, accentuated their lack of power. But when I put JTs in, all of a sudden, the efficiency of that signal translated into sound pressure level, and these babies got noticeably louder, even before I started tweaking them with the graphic equalizer. So, to your point, Chris, yes, uh, the speaker, properly designed speaker such as uh, JT's can make any audio file in a decoder shine. It'd be better than it was. Absolutely. I, I just really think that we needed someone of JT's caliber to kind of like take model railroading sound and, you know, really run some magic and let people hear how good it could be <laughs> versus like what well, what we kind of we add more sugar cubes and add yeah i mean we we create these pretty elaborate installations but you know the fundamental improvements are yet to be made until i i experienced the scale sound system product and that's that's when i was i put it in three locomotives i took it over to ken patterson's last night I had all three guys that were standing with me. Yeah. They, they, they were listening to some stock installations, and it was amazing how clear 
you could hear each prime mover. You could it, it, the character of each one of those locomotives came out, and when they accelerated, decelerated, it was just incredible. It was like, oh, and I was really trying to listen for the hiss, and there was like none. It was just like you were standing trackside. It was great. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, let me thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're, uh, I don't, you know, I had one client tell me, he emailed back and he, and he said, holy cow, there's an air compressor there. I didn't even know that ever existed. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, it can be. Because, you know, he'd been running his, uh, his, you know, his U-boat for uh, the past two years. And, and then I, you know, he put one of my speakers in and thought I'd never even heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that yeah, you, up, you uh, can hear valve head. clicking. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. crazy. <laughs> Well, what drives your choice, your selection of what you're going to produce next? Like, I've sampled, what, five or six of your different uh, speaker systems. What has driven how you tackled this, then you tackled this? Was there a, a logic or was it customer driven? How'd that happen? Yeah, well, you know, it started off just being me. It was like, okay, you know, I've got this Proto 2000 H1044, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I put, I put, I pulled out the QSI and I put Loke Sound in it, and I was, you know, this thing's got to sound as good as it possibly can, you know. And and my first designs were styrene, and then I got the 3D printer, and I went through about four or five different design iterations of that enclosure until I got the gurgle and the rumble and the, the, the blat horn to sound sweet and not, not abrasive. And, uh, you know, so that started off, this all started off because I wanted my locomotives to sound better. Um, and then, you know, of course my friends <clears throat> from the local model railroad club and other local modelers, uh, you know, they started hearing this stuff and thought, well, you know, we want that. So as locomotives started passing through my shop, I, uh, you know, would design a new system for each type that came in, and uh, and for the and that's really what drives it. There, you know, I would love to have a speaker model for every mass-produced locomotive that's out there, and maybe someday in time I will. But it, it, you know, I'm not going out and buying locomotives just to design a speaker for them. It, they're, I'm designing them as they come to me. Okay. And, you know, and that's what, you know, I know a number of people have expressed interest in me doing, you know, uh, designs for steam locomotives specifically. And I'm really excited to do that. Um, I just haven't, I haven't had, I've had a number of clients, um, you know, want to give me steam locomotives. They just haven't done it yet. So okay. once the steam locomotives start rolling in, there will be designs for those as well. How now, cool. How do you, besides, okay, two aspects of this question. Um, your, what is it, C630, the real long that you came up with for the Bowser. For the Bowser. Yeah, the C630. Okay, and yeah. you've done that in two versions. Uh, I posted. Well, I uh, have now. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, one of which is a, you're the only one that knows about it. <laughs> oh, do you want me to not? I can edit that out. No, no, that's fine. Uh, okay, because that was you know that was a that was a, a Chris got a prototype of one of my new systems, and you got a prototype of one okay. of my new systems, and George at Soundtracks got a prototype. So you're the only three though that know that those exist. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> it's it's fine that the that the public is being made aware of it because I just updated the website um, a day or two okay. ago. Uh, they're not for sale yet, but it's coming soon type thing. So, I mean, it's happening. Okay. You know? So go cool. ahead. All right. So the single speaker version, I, uh, because one of the comments on the, uh, the forum after I posted some of the videos I'd shot, uh, I, one of the guys said, well, when's you going to get around to steam? I mean, it wasn't a negative. Uh, implication or anything that the question came up what about steam and one of the another sound engineer he's in Australia responds to this person and goes well you know sound is sound it's it's compressed and he didn't get too technical but he said it doesn't care whether the sound file is diesel or steam and so then this little sidebar conversation goes on. So I took that extra speaker, the, uh, the Bowles C630, and took one of my Proto Steam locomotives apart, took the old speaker out, dropped it in, did nothing else to it, and shot a video of it and posted it. And it was amazing just dropping it in and putting some sticky tape on to hold it into the, to the tender frame, how well it sounded. Guts had guts to the chuffs. The, this particular Chesapeake and Ohio uh, K4 Berkshire had kind of a, a low uh, whistle on it back in the day. And it was an ESU decoder. And that's what I had put in. And it was amazing. So I posted the video and I said, here you go. Here's a speaker designed for a diesel in a steam application. Sounds pretty daggone good to me. So you've. Well, I, I think what the steam guys are looking for <coughs> me is they want, they want the drop in design like I've done with the diesels. You know, they want, of course you can stick any of my enclosure and anything that will has room for it. Um, you know, you could you could put my enclosure in your lunchbox and listen to it with a Bluetooth player if you wanted to. <laughs> you know, it it doesn't it doesn't have to be a, a train even. But you know, they're looking for uh, application specific, uh, you know, drop in speakers, and that's that's one of the things. As a DCC installer, that's one of the things that I like about my products is that I don't have to modify anything. I just take the screws out put my speaker in, put the screws back in, and it's done. Um, and I think they want that kind of thing, you know, for Steam. And I'm excited to, to try it, especially, you know, my goal is, is to get, is to always have the sound in the boiler. Yeah. Um, chuffing, chuffing and whistling tenders, especially as an audio engineer who's very attuned to sound localization, tenders that are barking, I've never enjoyed running steam sound equipped steam because it just kind of ruins the perception for me. 
No, I can see that. Definitely, like, that. that's something that I experience from talking to people that are really into Steam. They want it out like the smoke box. They want it, you know, closer by the drivers and stuff like that, so... Well, one that's not too bad yeah, for doing that is the uh, tab forwards by Intermountain yeah. and other people because you do get more locality, but uh, point well taken. So would you ever have a speaker system in the tender working in concert with another speaker component in the boiler? Is that possible down the road? Um, it's possible. Okay. I um, I uh, I saw on the, uh, the ESU Facebook group. I saw an installer. I don't remember his name, um, but uh, he's you know it's a it's a installation DCC sound installation firm that <clears throat> does a lot of work and um, a lot of custom work. And you know he was showing a video of you know where he had you know a, a smaller speaker in the smoke box and then a, a bigger speaker for the lower frequencies and the tender and he used a simple you know crossover network hmm. and um and i told him i said that's that's fantastic i just i had to, i was like i applaud i applaud you because i love people thinking out of the box and you know to address you know to make something better and um <clears throat> i just told him i was really i was i was really pleased to see people doing that kind of stuff now whether or not I still, I would have to hear it myself because, you know, how low of frequencies are we talking, um, you know, with the tender still producing sound and, you know, people will say, well, you know, low, low frequencies are omnidirectional, you know, and, 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 and true, you know, as you go down in cycles per second, then the, the sound waves do become isotropic. Um, but uh, our ears are omnidirectional. So while low frequencies are omnidirectional, our ears are still very attuned to localization. And it becomes harder to hear the localization with low frequencies, but you still can do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it would be something, I, it's something I really don't have any answers for, Paul, because I haven't, I need to get into the steam locomotives and start experimenting myself. Okay. And I really don't know how much room is in the boilers, you know, if, it, if it's got a smoke unit, I would imagine that that would take up a lot of uh, space. Uh, I would imagine that these plastic steamers um, are probably full of weight in the boiler. I don't know, you know. Uh, a lot of them are, that's true. It's a white metal cast weight in there. Uh, sometimes the biggest challenge can be how the heck do I get the boiler apart? <laughs> I can access the weight to machine space for uh, another speaker. I mean, I'm serious. So right. I've done it on occasion uh, with a small shooter cube up front by the, uh, the smoke box and the cylinders, but I was lucky. It was very logical how the, the boiler came apart and making space was okay, but there's some others that uh, K4 Berkshire, the Heritage series from Frodo. I looked at that forever when I put sound in it. I went, I give up, short of a hammer or tossing it on a brick wall. I don't know how to get inside the boiler. So, <laughs> point well taken. Yeah, that's a challenge of steam right there, is like trying to keep 
a very delicate steam locomotive intact yes. while <laughs> while totally dismembering it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's really a going to say that's really uh, an issue that is pretty common with any locomotive these days the level of detailing the genesis and scale trains and rapido are putting i mean you can you barely can look at the thing without breaking it if you just look at it wrong so it <laughs> there's you know there's so much fine detail when you're disassembling it you've got to have just the most gentle touch <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like MacGyver dis- disarming a bomb. <laughs> Good analogy. Got the, the sweaty brow while you're trying to flip that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. That that that's been me a couple nights. You know, it's just like okay, I got to try to put a keep alive in here. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 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 clock is ticking and you know the keep alive is still not going in and you're trying to shovel all this stuff together it's just like okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and you've got fragile uh rods on the drivers that you mm-hmm. pick up and i broke a rod on my genesis big boy because i picked it up the wrong way and setting it on a track and it went oh crap you know so yeah Especially with a steam locomotive that size, that's that's a that's a beast to handle. Yes, it know? is. <laughs> yes, it is. And just getting you almost in the need tender. three hands sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and taking the tender apart is a mental challenge. So, you know, to be able to get into the decoder area and stuff. Now, thinking out loud, especially from your perspective. How far are we away from having practical crossover networks so we could truly do uh, two-way or even three-way speaker systems in HF with specialized drivers? We're we're there now. The the components uh, are small enough. That um, uh, a simple high pass and low pass filter is a, it's a capacitor and a resistor. It's not a passive, you know, a passive circuit. A okay. passive filter is, is, is basically just a capacitor and a, and a, and a resistor. Um, when you get into active filtering, um, you know, where you can, a passive filter will only be able to attenuate frequencies. An active filter will let you attenuate or boost. Um, you know, active Active filtering uh, requires more circuitry, but with you know even with surface surface mount components, um, you can make very advanced little little circuits in very tiny spaces. Um, there's more that goes into a crossover than just a high pass and a low pass filter, but for our needs, that might be all that is required. You know, on a audiophile or professional level, crossovers are very complex with fur filtering and and the different filter types and the slopes and it's you know um keeping maintaining your phase coherency through the crossover range you know it gets very advanced but for a model train i think it's completely doable now Hmm. okay and that'll help with localization i mean especially for like a dd40 where you have this big massive long locomotive and you're trying to keep the horn in the front or 
centered closer to the horn where, you know, you could definitely perceive it being six or eight inches <laughs> from the detail part sticking on the <laughs> locomotive, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's something I thought about. The next frontier that I would really love to see the decoder manufacturers do are, uh, you know, a two-channel, a two-channel decoder. Mm-hmm. I would like to see, especially with, you know, like the E-units, um, the dual prime mover type, you, you know, locomotives. Can you believe what it'd be like to drop a decoder in and put one power amp channel to the front speaker and the another yes. power amp to the yes. back speaker? And then you've got two different 567s in there and you can, you're gonna, you can pan the horn so that the horn only comes out of the front speaker, you know. That, yeah. You know, that'd be amazing. The yeah, would be. But basically a stereo decoder but we're not using it for stereo sounds we're using it for localization and multiple sounds right that's true because the current versions both tsunami and tsunami 2 with the dual 567 all you have is a in the sound file are two prime movers starting up outside of that it is just a single prime mover sound coming out you know yeah it's a monitor Yes. So now JT's right. That would blow some minds. Wow. And I mean, I do, I foresee it happening. One of them, somebody's going to do it. TCS, somebody's going to do it. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. All right. Email going out to George. <laughs> <laughs> so for the Tsunami 3, we need. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, we want dual motor versions for any EMD with twin motors in them. Didn't the Baldwin, the big Baldwin passenger sharks, didn't they have twin prime movers, the big six axle jobs? I'm not sure. Now I've got to look it up. I know Google I did, it. Um, <laughs> I did a Baldwin uh, centipede, a, a division point brass, not centipede, the Baldwin center cab. Okay. That giant EJ and E switcher yes. that uh, Baldwin, you know, made. Um, Division Point did one in brass, and uh, a client brought that to me. And that thing is such a beast, and it's a lot of fun. The um, the uh, the dual the dual the dual Baldwin's sound is amazing. Um, and then they did a rebuilt version that that was that was remotored with uh, you know dual five sixty sevens. But um, yeah, that's such a, a big engine, and there, I, you know, I loaded a speaker down in, in each hood, and um, just it was it's a, it was a lot of fun. It was a cool project, and he really liked it. But you know, again, I wish that I had a a prime mover, a distinct prime mover in each speaker at each end of the locomotive. Mm-hmm. That would have that would have taken it over the top. Um, yeah, short of putting two decoders in one I locomotive, say, two so. decoders in. You can yep. you can do and and some of these guys have the money and they won't think twice about doing that. But on a practical level, it's it's overkill and <laughs> yeah yeah definitely. Okay. Now, what can you talk about that you've got coming up in the future? Even I mean I know you're manufacturing. You want to keep some things close to the vest, but you have any interesting. Uh, projects that uh might be bedazzling us here soon well um on a on a more basic note 
Okay. Um, I do have, I've got close to a dozen new models that are going to be coming out in the next week or two. Wow. Cool. Um, and I've been, I've had a very, I've had a busy summer with my, see, I still work professionally as an audio engineer. I'm not, I'm not anywhere close to retirement. So, um, you know, I've been furiously working, <laughs> trying to fit everything in all the nooks and nooks and crannies and trying, I was going to go to the St. Louis RPM, but I just, I, I literally could not, I was on a deadline to finish a record at that point in time. And I just, I couldn't pull myself away. And, uh, so, um, but I have been, you know, I, I'm not really great at updating my Facebook with, you know, things that are coming or even things that are happening. I'm, I'm kind of terrible at social media and public forums and that type of thing. Um, but I do have about, I've got a lot of new models that are coming out in the next couple of weeks. Some of the more interesting ones, um, a client brought me in an Alice Master RS1 that okay. came factory to float sound. And he wanted a new speaker in it. And I took the show off and I thought, well, by golly, that was ingenious engineering on Atlas's part. But the speaker enclosure is clear and it's, it, it's used as the light pipe for the front headlight. <laughs> <laughs> So it's serving the the headlight is actually on the circuit, the, the PCB, and it shines through this clear speaker enclosure to the headlight casting in the nose. Oh, and wow. I thought, well, I thought, well, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to get around that? This is going to be, you know, and I set it aside and I was like, because if, if I can't design a, a product that is simple to install, I, I, I usually won't do it. So I just kind of disregarded it and thought, yeah, that's not going to work out. And then I was printing off. Um, uh, I, 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 I design and print these little clear light pipe fixtures that I use for converting locomotives, uh, from light bulbs to LEDs. And, and those um, work really well too, by the way. Oh, I mean, I noticed you got one of those. And I, I got I, one. I know they're, they're a little finicky to assemble for, you know, some people, but for me, it's the fastest way to convert light bulbs to LEDs, and so that's why I have them. Agreed, and it was super easy. You know, I oh great. I think that was that that was my my biggest kind of grief about LEDs. It's like, how am I going to get okay? Then so I tried your I, I tried yours. I'm I'm definitely going to be getting a few more. So oh great. Anyway, okay, sorry sorry to I, derail your your train of thought there. <laughs> that's not at all because I, you're the, honestly, you're the only customer who has bought those because I, I go through them left and right because I do for my own installation work for clients. Cause you know, brass locomotives and a lot mm -hmm. of the, you know, um, a lot of them came with light bulbs. And so I, I use them all the time, but nobody's actually, you're the only one who's actually bought one. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so, I'm glad to be the uh, guinea pig uh, uh, and I'm uh, glad uh, to report back that I, I had a complete success. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually uh, <laughs> good to hear. But yeah, I'm running a print of those and it was like a, a light bulb crashed down into my head. And I was like, why don't you just make an enclosure out of this stuff? And so I designed the enclosure for the rs1 and i thought you know i was worried about light losses and that kind of thing and i stuck it in there and i was just it was amazing it not only <laughs> it transmits the light better than the stock enclosure and of course it sounds better so that's kind of a funny funny little innovative thing that's coming out um yeah, yeah you could always got, you you could always do something cool like some of the some of these guys that make their own computers or whatever they they totally trick out the inside of the computer thing you know with like all these glowing leds and stuff <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah you know if you if you want ground effects for your locomotive i can do it 
<laughs> you know, I don't know that I can make it bounce, but I can, <laughs> I can pick out the lighting. That's what you no. want. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there are a range of new models coming out. Um, but as you have alluded to, Paul, I think uh-huh. the, I think the, the more exciting thing is the dual speaker systems that are about to be released. Oh, and um, <laughs> so you and Chris have experienced it, and George, he's experienced soundtracks. He's got to experience it. And uh, I take that back. I actually did. I sent um, a dual system to the installer for a a famous model train store. That I'll just leave it at that. And he's okay. putting it in a Rapido 840CM to run on their display layout. So yeah there are four of them that are out right now, but, but, uh, um, I do have a dual speaker system that's coming out. Um, these, um, my design, it it maintains the same sonic signature as my single speakers do, but it has, um, about a three, about three decibels more of power at a hundred Hertz. You're getting a, a little additional low frequency boost there. And um, <clears throat> they can handle uh, all of the power that a tsunami two can can feed them. That was my that was my goal. I thought these tsunami twos are insanely powerful. Yes. The power amps are. Yeah. And um, I thought I'm, I'm going to have to have something for those guys that like to just you know it goes to eleven. <laughs> Spinal oh, tap. Buy this uh, one. It goes to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought I'm going to, you know, if the speaker can't handle a tsunami too, then I can't release it. And, uh, it took, um, it took months and months of me figuring out a dual speaker system that would, uh, remain phase coherent, meaning that, um, it, it keeps all of the detail. Uh, it doesn't, you know, mul- when you add, when you add multiple speakers that you're, you're going to ha- you will have, face phase smearing it happens it's, it's physically impossible to not do it and you get a loss of detail with that face smearing but with this design it harkens back to my early days in professional audio back in the mid mid 90s um with uh some professional speakers that i was using from uh, a company called electro voice they make big sound systems i've had electro voice in my house before back back in the days of the flannel uh, shirts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my back in the day is different than some people's back in the day, but it, nevertheless, um, <laughs> it, uh, you know, I, I, I went back to that kind of, um, concept and, uh, and so my, my, my speakers, both of my speakers are, are completely, they're coupled and completely 100% phase aligned and they're working as one driver. So it's just the benefit of it is you get um, on paper a 3 dB more increase in low end. And on my test measurements, it's at least that. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, of course, you get twice the power handling. So it's a two-watt system, and it can be configured for four or 16 ohms. And um, It's like the Joe Cola version. You know, twice the caffeine or three times the sugar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three times the sweet and you get the twice the power, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, um, 
not not every system that I offer will be available in a dual speaker. There are some space constraints. Okay. Um, but um, a lot of the product line, the bulk of the product line, will be available in the the. Uh, they're actually, I've, I've decided to name my product lines because I realized this, the single speaker version and a dual speaker version, that's, that's dumb. And, and you suggested, Paul, little ends and big ends. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I thought, well, that might not be the best thing to go. So my, my single speaker line, <laughs> you could always, yeah, Paul, he's got a, he's got something up his sleeve every now and then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yes. So my single speaker line is, is, is the Rectify series. And um, my dual, the dual speaker line that's forthcoming is, is going to be the Coeval uh, series. And um, so the Coeval boxes will be, you know, two watts, four or 16 ohms. And most of the Rectify systems will be available in Coeval. Hmm. Um, I won't be able to do all of them, though. Uh, and that is that is a point of that I kind of wanted to bring up a little bit with the single speaker systems is you know they do they do have a limit as to how loud you can make them because it it is a single speaker but what is going against me is that my speaker is producing considerably more low frequencies than any other speaker of its size and that low frequency power generation is eating up headroom mm -hmm. so it you know it it requires more power to generate low frequencies and it requires a heavier duty speaker to reproduce those low frequencies so um you know my my single speaker's 1 watt power rating um it may not seem to get as loud as other 1 watt speakers uh because the it it doesn't have that screaming mid range <laughs> Um, okay. In fact, my speaker is actually on a broadband level. My speaker is way louder than any other comparable speaker because it's generating frequencies, you know, on a broadband level from, you know, 150 up to, you know, 10K. It's not just mid-range. Right. So the dual speaker system is designed for those guys that want to that want to run it louder mm -hmm. and. Um, and not even if you don't want to run it louder, if you do, if you're happier with quieter, more moderate listening, you know, levels with your locomotives, the dual speaker system will still have the benefit of the added low frequency uh, power. So you, you you know how the tsunami goes up to eleven. I'm really at five and a half, and I found that to be pretty nice, you know, in in, in most situations, except for like. Over in Kansas City, Anna Murray, I mean, when you're in a big hall and there's sure. a lot of reverb and stuff kind of going on around you and a lot of just noise, <laughs> you know. Sure. But, yeah, yeah. five and a half on, on the Tsunami, too, and it's comfortable. You just really pick up a lot of detail with the with the two-speaker system. Right. And even if you and have even... to have that show setting, like you just mentioned, or a club setting louder, then you yeah. can... Uh, kick in the alternate, you know, the alternate mixer for the quieter setting, like maybe at the home or on your own railroad. That's what I do. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say this. The half you're talking about the half power button there on the Sadami. Um, yeah. Paul, the yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, it yeah. kicks in the alternate mixer where you 
it just modifies via the individual CVs how loud the horn's going to be, the bell, prime mover, and about ten other items. Maybe it's more, but yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool effect. I give them credit for it. What were you going to say, Chris? I was just going to say, in lieu of actually having a, a volume knob on your throttle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the... yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that um, that you know that's what. People have asked me if I was going to go to, you know, set up at train shows and everything. I thought, you know, no, it's just, it's so loud. And mm. it, uh, I don't, I don't think it's the right, um, again, since the human ear is, is less sensitive to low frequencies, it's, it's most sensitive to, you know, the upper mid range frequencies, you know, two, two to five K is where your ear is most sensitive. Um, it's not, you know, whatever I have to offer is going to be lost in a wash of, of people talking and reverb and other, you know, things making sounds. And then when you're in that environment, everybody does, they still have their sound locomotives. And so they're turning them up and then it's just a big volume war mm -hmm. with everybody competing for acoustic space, you know, and I thought I'm probably, unless I can, you know, get a table that's off the, away from the, the main room, you know, I probably ha won't go to any shows because of that. Yeah, I mean, to really hear differences, you got to have headphones on or be in, be at home by your computer, and 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 chances are, you know, you you really have it marketed well as far as just like here's the difference, A B, <laughs> knock yourself out, you know. And, and by the end oh. of that, that YouTube video, it's sort of like, if you're not already hitting the buy button, you, you, you might not really be at the, at that level yet, but that, <laughs> that's, that's not for everybody, but it, it was, was for me. <laughs> I was just like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> well, and I, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. But yeah, you know, it's, it's true. If somebody's watching my YouTube channel on their cell phone, you know, trust me, you can still hear a difference, but it's, you're going to lose the bulk of the drama of it. And, you yeah. know, so if you, you know, obviously being an audio engineer, I've got a, you know, a, a nice little stereo setup at my desk for my computer, but not everybody has that. And, and, um, but you know, it's, it was the best way I could convey the difference. Um, to the general public without, you know, sitting somebody down and showing them in person. That would, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Are, are there, are there any other areas that you're looking forward to um, maybe exploring beyond just like uh, some potential crossovers and things like that in the, in the market? Do you have anything kind of lined up? Uh, I guess, uh, I guess what I'm asking is, um, You know what? I, I lost that thought. <laughs> outside of outside of sound systems, you mean? Yeah, outside of just sound systems, you know, going into the lights and things like that. Sorry, you you, you totally saved me. Thank you. <laughs> um, not not um, I I would uh, I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a CNO BNO chassis guy. That's my that's my wheelhouse in in mm -hmm. in the in railroading. Um, and really the whole spectrum, the history, and all the way through the Chessie era, I kind of stop at CSX. 
And, um, and, uh, so, you know, I thought to myself, you know, nobody has made a, a, a GE rock plow for the Chessie units. It's never, you know, there was one in brass, um, years ago, but that was for, uh, I think Overland or somebody, it was for their locomotive. It wasn't like the part you could just go buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, you know, I can, I can, I can CAD this up and, uh, uh, and have, um, you know, I wouldn't use my own printers. I would, I would use a high, a, a really ultra high resolution, maybe even a resin printer. And, um, uh, you know, I thought about that kind of thing. Um, I also do end scale. Um, so, and nobody has made a rock, any of the rock plows in end scale, not the E of these or the G's. So, uh, you know, I've, I've kicked around doing that kind of stuff because in the Chessie community, everybody cries about that. And, um, <laughs> You know, right. I, I'm I'm incredibly grateful that Atherin uh, tooled and manufactured the 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 rock plow for the the back end of the EMDs because that was a first. Nobody had done that one yet, so I ordered some of those from from Atherin and <laughs> <laughs> nice. But but uh, you know, that, I've that's I've considered that. But outside of that, really, I mean, I don't the 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 3D. Um, the design, the, the research, the design, and the time to put into something, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't have it. I don't have, I don't, I'm already, you know, maxed out with, with my career and, and what I'm doing with scale sound systems. So I don't, in any near future, foresee, unless I can, unless I do get around to, you know, catting up the rock, the rock plows, I don't really see anything. Yes. Okay. Other than more speakers. <laughs> hey, more lighting too. I mean, if you could come up with like other stuff for tricking out locomotive lighting, there, there's, I think, a pretty good need for that right now. I mean, all this new stuff is well, coming out with all, all these number boards and things like that. And it's like, that'd be kind of cool to retrofit this old locomotive from, you know, 2004 you know so yeah and i think and i i mean i could probably it's really i think it would come down to maybe doing tutorials on it i just did um a a genesis sd60i for -hmm. a client um a week and a half ago and you know he wanted um obviously it was a non-sound unit that he had so he wanted sound put in it and then you know he wanted uh, the light bulbs replaced with the leds but then he also wanted marker lights and and um, and I and I said, well, you know, these marker lights are are cast. They're not they're not. And he's like, just if you can do it, do it. So I was like, all right, well, I can do it. So I drilled them out. <laughs> and, you know, I, I fashioned <laughs> I fashioned these little light pipe lenses. You know, um, with the cool. the clear 3D printer filament. And you know, and I, he's got he's got functioning marker lights on both ends of his SD60. So there's a lot of things. I've I've done that for beacons. I've done it for you know, ditch lights. I've done it. I've done, I have done all kinds of lighting tricks, but I, with the stuff that I already have available, I think it would just maybe come down to a tutorial of like, this is how you can apply these things in different ways. Right. I, maybe. I don't know. Well, it'd be, it'd be cool to see how your, how your company uh, develops into uh, the next year and beyond. And I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, just really been enjoying your, your, your speakers. And, you know, having kind of that ear too, uh, I'm definitely not a, an audio engineer, but I, I, I've done some 
a guitar playing for a band and stuff, and you start really hearing things a little bit differently. And I think that's what kind of, like you said, kind of kept me away from sound was uh, just you kind of hear that that one aspect of sound that that became super annoying and uh <laughs> really been enjoying it now <laughs> since i've got these, these speakers installed so that's great that's great and and that's the thing is you know the the the, the again the ear brain mechanism that i talked about most people don't realize that something sounds wrong until they hear the same thing done right and then they're like oh i've been listening to that this whole time so mm -hmm. you know without you know the the mind works comparatively your mind is always running comparisons between things and if you don't have anything to compare to you think that it's fine so right and that's kind of what is you know now not obviously i'm i'm far from the first person who has made the endeavor to improve the sound of of um you know dcc sound locomotives there's lots of guys that are doing all kinds of things good things and you know and i it's um so i'm not the only one but i'm just saying that your average modeler probably thinks it's fine until they hear something that's better well you, your company's really re making it repeatable and consistent and that's the cool thing about it it's just the installation tuned for you know a 645 and a specific locomotive that makes it repeatable. So it, it becomes, you know, possible to upgrade three or four GP 40 dash twos, you know? Right. So, and, and you can really get the, when you're dealing with that, it, it's like, you, it, it's a huge time saver because I, I don't know if Paul's had that, you know, even though you do a, a installation and you scratch build the box the same it still comes out different <laughs> you know sure there are yeah inconsistencies and in, in hand making stuff of course yeah so yeah yeah no and the time that's the thing is it's it takes time to even to even build a decent sounding you know basic box with a you know a speaker that you bought from mauser or whatever you know, it still it takes a good chunk of modeling time. So yes, hopefully, hopefully, you know, my product will just, you know, hey, you just pop it in and you're done. Yeah. And hopefully mm -hmm. that will. Uh, and that's one of the things I do. I really, I really kind of dig my uh, my speaker systems for the older non-sound locomotives. And I think you bought one. Uh, yes, Chris, uh, for an Atlas G38. GP40. Okay. I, I, and, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing it. Have you done the install yet? Not yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, um, I, I really dig that because, you know, it's, it's the speakers, they're designed around the, the, the motor mounts and the, and the weights. You don't have to remove or mill any weight out of your locomotive. The speaker literally snaps in to what was a non-sound locomotive. Yes. And, you know, the only thing being is that you can't use the bigger PNP type decoders. You've got to hardwire a decoder in, but, um, and they sound, they sound amazing. They're not, I know they don't look all that big, but they sound incredible. So I have a Tsunami 1100, which is the soundtracks one amp version of their Tsunami. And I'm going right. to be, I'm going to be using that. So, uh, 
that that's kind of how I'm approaching, you know, single speaker installs is just use the, the one amp. Okay. Tsunami. Sure. So. Well, that brings up an interesting point. Uh, but I've got another question for uh, JT. Looking, well, going forward, because you've got your website, uh, are you going to be doing any advertising of any kind, so like at MRH or any other uh, model railroad targeted uh, publication? We see you there. I've, I've, I've certainly considered it. Um, if, I, if I do go down that road, it would be later. The okay. winter is generally when my career slows down a little, you know. And, um, but, um, honestly, between, between the YouTube videos and the website and just the general model railroading community and people like Chris and, and you, Paul, um, spreading it around, um, you know, I can't, I, this is not something that I can have, uh, take over my life and, you know, become, uh, if I did do it full time, I still don't think it would it would be a much of a living. So it's not you know I've only got so much time to devote to the business, okay. and so okay. there's uh, I'm definitely I'm definitely a boutique, you know. Well, I guess what we call in the in the music world a, a, a boutique manufacturer. I'm the, I'm a guy in the corner that's doing something you know kind of fun and different, but I'm not you know I'm not a I'm not a big player, not a major player. So I don't, uh, I, I, I might take an ad out or something later in the, in the fall or winter, but right now it's, it's not on the radar. I'm so busy. I, I can't think about it. Well, how would you feel if I just, uh, gave out a plug to your website on, on the podcast? Go right ahead. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that is, of course is fine. <laughs> okay. Well, how about anybody checking this out? Any of our, um, our listeners, feel free to go over to scalesoundsystems.com and uh, go through. Uh, uh, he, uh, JT has a number of videos that you can check out, and you can do a head-to-head comparison, and then his products are listed on there as well. Yeah, and there are a few of the videos that are on the website, but the bulk of them are on the YouTube channel. Oh, do you have the YouTube or your YouTube uh, handle? Boy, I feel like it is. I feel like it's youtube.com forward slash. Uh, let me just type this in. <laughs> uh, because it's the account. It's the YouTube account that I made years ago. Uh, and I never used it. And, um, ah. uh, but I, I'm, my YouTube account is so old that, um, like I don't have any time limitations or anything on the length of the videos that I can put up. So I just, I went with it. It, it is, uh, youtube.com slash user slash, this is where it's kind of funny. Muse pro seven. So it's N U S E P R O seven. And, but there's a link on the website to the YouTube channel and then my Facebook. Um, I've got some photos of my installations and, a couple of videos that are on YouTube on the Facebook page. Um, so there's, there's a number of avenues that you can check, check out whatever I'm doing. Okay. Awesome. And we will, we'll be interested in to see how all the, all the stuff you got coming up next. Oh yeah. 
looking forward to this website update to see what's there. And uh, Chris's yeah. uh, recommendation, I'm going to try some of your light kits for these uh, CF7s that uh, I've been rebuilding yet again. Because <laughs> uh, so, when I modified them for those uh, KV grills and shutters, I had to strip the paint and repaint. And uh, anyway, I've... Uh, the battle continues, at, right, Paul? That's right. I want to look at JT speaker offerings because the speakers I had in there before will no longer work. So I've got to redo the light system, the LEDs. So I will probably, you'll see an order for me for some of your light systems for these uh, three CF7s based on Chris's uh, recommendations there. So that's great. That great. Is, yeah. And, and what's that? What's that, Paul? I'm sorry. No, no, that was, I think that was what you may have heard, my wife opening the door to take the dog out. She, oh. had, to, she had to walk <laughs> through the sound studio slash family room. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, that's one thing I do have. I do have uh, some generic uh, systems that are coming out uh, this, in September. And because you, would, you, you asked me, Paul, if I had a speaker that would fit in your CF7, yeah. and I said, the funny thing is, I just designed one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, of those exact dimensions. And uh, so I do have a range of, of boxes of, of varying dimensions that don't have any factory specific mounts or anything. Um, but they're still voiced similarly. So, you know, the one that is similar in size to, you know, the Atheron Genesis G3840. Um, It'll sound like that, but it doesn't have the mounts on it. Okay. And uh, and uh, that way, because I did have, you know, I had customers that were saying, you know, you don't make a model for the the locomotive that I uh, that I have. And then there, you know, and there are people that are converting the older ready-to-run models, or even the blue box, the Athen blue box stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, people are putting sound in this stuff, and um, so they were asking, you know, do you have what, you know, what what box would fit? And I thought, you know, I'm just, I need to just do a, you know, a line of speakers that are just kind of a universal type sizes that you can pick from. Right. Well, and you mentioned you were going to modify your, your website and actually put the dimensions in there so people can make their own, you know, decisions. Hey, that'll fit for what I want to do. So... Right, I and because I, I didn't think of that originally. Yeah, when I originally built the website and 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 put the products out, you know, I was just thinking, you know, there, this is the one that fits in a Jeep Seven. This is the one that fits in a F unit, you know. And yeah, I I, I kind of lost. I didn't even really. It didn't even cross my mind, honestly, that you know I I should probably publish the sizes that way people can, you know, they can adapt them to you know, brass engines or, you know, scratch built stuff, whatever they want to put them in. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to talk about JT that uh, you want to convey to the, to the market out there? I mean, not really, you know, I mean, I guess, um, you know, I'm just, I'm humbled. I'm humbled that, uh, that uh, you guys have asked me to be on this. I'm humbled uh, by the response that I've received from, uh, all of my customers so far. And, um, you know, it, uh, I'm glad I, you know, I, I started out designing something that I, you know, that I wanted for me. 
and and at the urging of, after a couple of years at the urging of my installation clients they're like you got to get these out you got to get them out <laughs> and i was you know i was scared to do that because i thought you know, you know what if what if people don't like them you know and, <laughs> and then i'll you know and i why subject myself to uh you know ridicule and uh so you know i had some trepidation for doing that kind of thing but uh i'm just i'm really happy and thankful to everybody who has tried them out and and who likes them and um you know I'm, i don't claim to be the end all of speakers you know there will be inevitably people out there who you know don't care for them or they don't get loud enough for them or whatever and that's fine you know i'm not uh, I'm just really, I'm really humbled and grateful for the reception that the model railroading community has, uh, the way they've received what I'm doing. Okay. Well, I could tell you, uh, and I'm sure Chris would back this up. When I look back at, you know, configuring speakers, finding enclosures, putting them together and all of that, your speakers represents such a bargain uh not to even mention better use of my time uh i had somebody go wouldn't a lot for a speaker and i went heck no i said have you ever searched around or tried to make your own enclosures i said and here it comes in a package and all you got to do is wire it i said heck no this is a <laughs> solid value buy it and shut up <laughs> so, no, well, great yeah. thing. I've um I've had um I've been urged by a couple of people in the industry, they're like, You need to you need to up your prices a, a little bit, you know, and, and that kind of thing and I'm oh, you know, I don't know what to do and uh the reality is is that the demand is ramping up, my time is not increasing and uh and ultimately, my supply. I, I own, I own um, all of the the drivers that I use. I own all of them that were made. There aren't any on the market. So when this is depleted, um, you know, I've got to come up with. I am. Ta I'm already talking to a manufacturer about the long term future. But, oh, okay. Okay. Um, but but you know, when my current stock is depleted, that's all there is left in the world. And so it it. You know, I'm I, I'm thinking long term, and I'm also thinking demand is is ramping up, and supply is limited, and supply of not only physical components but my time, you know. So I don't know what uh, I I try I'm trying to keep it so that it's you know I do want it to be a good value. I don't want it I don't want it uh, to be uh, you know a high end. It, it, I want it to be a high end product, but I don't want it to be out of the reach of, of everyday model rarer who wants to buy a nice speaker. So, <laughs> no, I don't think uh, you're in any danger of that. Uh, I think you've got a very good value. Well, the, the way I look at it, you know, if anybody wants to hire a sound engineer to really consider the project to design <laughs> baffles for, you know, doing and also seeking out the best speaker out on the market, you know, <laughs> best of luck to you. <laughs> I mean, the value is yeah, there. I, I mean, if, if someone's going through the trouble of, of, you know, wanting to care to put in, a, you know, a premium sound decoder, it only makes sense to put in a premium speaker to go with it.
Well, I tell you what, JT, it's been a, a great conversation. I appreciate you carving out the time because uh, I actually felt bad about, oh, golly, I want to get this guy on the show, but I understand how busy he is and so forth. So We have been, you. yeah, dancing around. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Between Chris's schedule and my schedule, it's, it's I mean, right. we've, you know, the the national shows that were going on, it's just been, um, you know, summer's a busy time for me and work-wise, and yeah, it was, I didn't know when the three of us were going to be able to line up, but uh, I'm glad that we were able to. I'm That's right. Very yeah. thankful that, you know, you asked me to be here. Well, and you guys have no idea the time pressures I've got. There are roses to be trimmed. No, we have to be full. It is summer. It's my busy time. Okay. It's your busy time. I'll be sure to send you my DCC install stuff too, Paul. So between you and JT. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Then I can edit this, uh, do the wrap up on it, but. This has been great. Been eye-opening. Very eye-opening. Chris, you got anything else before we cut uh, JT loose? I know, JT. It was good chatting with you. Um, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you out and rub elbows with a, a fellow enthusiast. So, Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to every, – everybody that I've met so far in the, in the industry has been super – you know, super nice and super cool. And, um, uh, just, you know, it's been a good time. I've enjoyed meeting all the new people and, um, you know, you, you put that first order in with me, Chris, and I just, you know, I just shipped it out and sent it out and everything. And then, you know, Kevin, do you know Kevin Tweed? I don't. Chris? Okay. He, um, he, he's done somebody he's done. He's like, he, he's an engineer for CSX and he, he's taken a lot of photographs and stuff for, I guess you design people or whatever it happened. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they called him, they called him and, or Matt, it was Matt called him and he goes, who is this JP guy? And then Kevin calls me and he goes, you realize who Chris Palomero is, is, right? And I said, no, I don't know who he is. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this guy? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know people in the model railroad industry. I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know the, the people behind the companies, you know? So, uh, I was like, Oh, Oh, I got all nervous. You know, I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. What you gonna, you know, but uh, yeah, it's been a good time just meeting everybody. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing you in person sometime. Uh, maybe some one of the, an event coming up over the winter when things are a little less hectic for you. Yeah, hopefully. That would be nice. Okay. Paul? Yes. Do you ever get out of you ever you ever get out of New Orleans? Uh, I've escaped once or twice. Uh, <laughs> you're you're Marion, so you're north of uh, Columbus, and I've uh, been through the town when we used to live in West Virginia and Eastern Ohio. But uh, yeah, I had made a mental note that okay, because I'm big on road trips. I said. I may have to find a way, a reason I need to go up to uh, North Central Ohio, have a chit-chat face-to-face <laughs> with JT. Make yeah. a break. 
bring a big box where I can carry a bunch of speakers home. <laughs> well, you know, we'll we'll stack yeah. it up because you know, as soon as you can take a bunch of speakers home, I'll have my stuff on top of yours, so you can yeah. help me out with the DCC <laughs> and speaker installs. Okay. Oh, All right. Chris, you have a minute or two after we cut JT loose. I've got a I want to bounce something off from you. Sure. I mean, yeah. And JT, I'm not running you off, but. I'm just being respectful of your time. You probably need some downtime. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm actually going to, yeah, I'm going to start filling the orders that came in this week um, and uh, try to have some dinner with my, my train buddy here in a little bit. So, Okay, that, <laughs> cool. All righty. Well, again, thank you, and uh, look forward to getting more speakers and stuff from you. Great. Well, I, again, I thank you guys so much because you've been you've been you know uh, my you know biggest fans, and you've really done a, you've really I really appreciate everything that the two of you have uh, you know done with with what I'm doing. So okay, guys. Yeah, we'll be All following right. you. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys down the road then. Okay. Right, take care. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. I had an idea. And I just wanted to bounce this off from you because uh, I've got these. Uh, it applies also to the CF7s, but uh, these older E-units, it's the CSX corporate train that I've got videos out of. And once I started working with JT and his speakers, I thought, I think it's time to upgrade these E-units one, go to Tsunami 2, and put some much better speakers in here. So I tested a couple for JT, and he's going to be making some speakers to go in there. And I thought, you know, even when I was at the store and we had that great big store layout with 3% grades and stuff, and the CSX train is like 9 10 85 foot cars i've got three powered protos and these are the old uh, original versions with the big massive weights and, uh -huh. which i took out but they're still so heavy i thought you know what i don't need to remotor all three of these i just remotor re the first one put a tsunami 2 in it and I thought about getting a conversation going with you and uh, uh, George about how well the Tsunami 2 would play with these older Tsunami 1s uh -huh. and just use their sound files and let the first unit, which I'm remotoring to a Kato, and I'm rebuilding the, the trucks, the drivetrains. Uh, yeah. And I thought... I even envisioned how could I put like a 30-foot piece of track in the backyard and brace it to simulate a 3% grade. But I'm thinking with this Cotto motor in the lead unit and the next two just becoming sound dummies, mm -hmm. why go to the expense of remotoring them? Uh, I'll take the motors out because the motor must weigh eight or nine ounces a piece. And just have it a big cavity with a decoder and speakers. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Yeah, especially if you can put a make sure that the lead unit is way down enough. Um, if, if they're all going to be kind of tied together, you might also consider um, taking taking like uh, the pickups from like the the next two locomotives and yeah. just run some mini plugs, so you can have all, all that, all those extra wheels, you know. Well, I was going to leave the the older tsunami in each unit. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And all it's going to do is make sound. It'll have right. its own pickups and stuff. Uh, I was going to bounce that off of George and say, "Hey, these this is tsunami two and the tsunami one outside of the two two watts versus one watts and stuff." But under normal would. Should that work? Would it be causing a problem? And just see, because I thought that could be an article. But what made me think of this was this guy was in the hobby store the other day, and he goes, why does everything have a motor? He said, I just need some dummies. And, you know, Mike, the guy that owns the store, goes, well, everything has pretty much been all powered for the last five or six years. He said, nobody makes a dummy. And so I think I offered, I said, well, look, I've got sound dummies. I said, because I can't buy a dummy, I just made my own by just not hooking up the motor and taking the drive shaft and the worm gear out. Right. And, oh, really? I said, yeah. I said, now, if you're going to do older uh, Locomotives, yeah, you can find dummies, but I'm telling you, you're not going to like them because they're of an age before the highly detailed bodies, mm-hmm. the better paint job. So I said, it's just something we do. We just, we have to buy the motor, but that doesn't mean we have to use the motor. Right. Uh, I thought, I'm going to bounce this off of Chris. It could be a topic for a, a podcast session that I add to another program. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, you know, I I think you're right. I think there's just been by by. I, I I think that there's been a little bit of incompatibility with some DCC systems and like people turning their powered locomotives into dummies is a little bit more common than people want to recognize in the DCC community. Yeah. Because it, it's been a lot of marketing hoopla about like, well, everything should have power and everything will, can be hostled together. You can bring up your locomotive and couple it to the other one. Yeah. But honestly, how often does that really happen? Most people just set out their locomotives and the consists they want to run it. And then they, MU them together and then that that's it. You know, yeah. there's no sort of hustling, even though that's possible and would replicate the real thing. It's just not something that's actually done a whole lot in terms of, you know, setting up a train, you know. Well, I've even played around with the idea of like my Genesis FP sevens on the Cal Zephyr. I'm going, why do I have these as different numbers? Why don't I just program as number 308 or 504, whatever the number is, and just all right. three units of that. So the B right. unit, you know, I can turn down the volume of the horn and the bell so the others aren't playing it, 
and I can segregate the lights and it just has one number. I don't have the con system. I just replicate the programming from unit to unit. Okay. I thought, you know, maybe I'm off my nut here. I'll bounce this off Chris. <laughs> no, no, I, I think that there's, there's real use for it. I mean, if if it's going to be kind of captive on a layout, it's not yeah. going to have horrendous grades on it. You're just going to run it. Why make it tough on yourself? Yep. You know. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> I didn't go by the uh, the decoders or the uh, the new tsunami twos or the motors kados for the other two. I thought I think this will work, but I'm going to bounce it off at Chris Sunday and see. Okay. Oh yeah. So. It's great to have a product like JT's out there. I'm I'm in process of converting all my stuff over. Yeah. Um, the the three locomotives that I ran together yesterday just blew people's minds over in St. Yeah. Louis. So. Did you see my video I posted with the uh, SDPs? I haven't yet. No, I I, I want to go check that out. See how yeah. they sound. Uh, the nature of your guys' design is that the front speaker mount allows a taller speaker than the rear. Okay. So he custom designed a speaker for the front and the rear. You could put two of the rears in if you wanted, but he sent me a tall one and a short one. That's how he called them. And I put <laughs> That's them cool. in there, and he sent me four of them. Or I'm sorry, he sent me six because I did my Santa Fe. But so the one video I shot and put up on YouTube is a single unit with both his speakers and then consisted with my second SDP with his two speakers. It It is amazing how, what those units sound like. So, all right, well, hey, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to send an email to Jim that's saying, hey, we tried to get a hold of you a couple more times. Phone would not answer. So, all right. Hey, Chris, thank you for your time, buddy. All right. Take care. All right, bud. Bye bye. All right. Bye.